Good morning, 26 West Church. It's good to be with you all. I got two people I especially just want to say good morning to. One, uh, we have somebody who's with us who has not been here in about a year and a half. And so one of our community group leaders, uh, Kayla Hochstein, she is it's so good to have you with us. Uh, she's been battling long COVID and just all kinds of complications for over a year. And so we just want to say welcome back with us. Uh, I also want to say uh, welcome to my mom and dad. They're here from out of state. And so it's good to have you guys with us. Uh, Welcome to the online crew. It's good to be together as a church family, and we feel it when members of our family just aren't here with us, and so it's good to be together. Uh, I, I grew up a 90s kid. Uh, anybody else 90s kids in, in the room? Yes, yes. I grew up a 90s kid, and two movies that I really liked growing up were Miss Doubtfire and Aladdin. So you guys know? Miss Doubtfire and Aladdin both have Robin Williams at like the peak of his powers, right? Like he's the genie and he's Miss Doubtfire. And, and both movies also have imposters as lead characters. They have imposters as lead characters. You have, you have, first you have Aladdin. He tries to win over the princess, right? As, as Prince Ali. Mighty is he. Ali Ababwa. We can get the band back up here. We'll play. We got a new, new song for us. But he's, a, he's a fraud. And that's Aladdin. Miss Doubtfire is a little more creepy, with the, with the premise of there's like, you know, Robin Williams' character, he's got a family, you know, they go through a divorce, uh, you know, and, and, and so what he does is he pretends to be a housekeeper or, or a nanny so he can spend time with his kids secretly, which is, which is problematic <laughs> in a lot of different directions. Uh, if you're planning that, please stop. Like, don't, don't do this. Uh, <laughs> but, but I have a confession for you this morning. Uh, like Miss Doubtfire and like Aladdin, I feel like a fraud and an imposter up here. I feel like an absolute fraud up here. I just got to get this uh, on the record, on the front end, just out of the way, right out the gate. That today's message uh, on the fruit of the Spirit, talking about patience, I am woefully unqualified to teach this. I am just totally unqualified to teach this. My, my, you say, no, you're in trouble. I, I told my wife, Kelsey, that I was teaching on this, and she literally laughed at me. And I was like, like, why are you trying to discourage me here? You know you're off to a bad start. If that's the case. Like, yeah, you know God is trying to, to get you to grow and change and repent when in his sovereignty, he makes you teach on something that you are just pathetically weak in. And Jose was like, I'm not trying to do this to you, man. Like, it was not, a, it was not like some strategic plan. Just the spirit is like, we're going to talk about this, dude. Uh, and this isn't just me, like, tongue-in-cheek trying to be funny. Like, I listen to podcasts at double speed like I'm a psycho. I, I, I choose to do this. Like, you know, I, I talk fast. Some of you are like, we know. It's like, slow down. Like, I get annoyed fast. Why are you laughing? Uh, I, I'm the guy driving who's exhorting the car in front of me. Just trying to encourage him or her. You know, just speed up. Like, I, I'm talking to the car in front of me saying, we're all here to do one thing. We're here to drive. Please drive. Drive. You can get into the middle section and turn left at that blinking yellow light. You don't need to wait. We're here to do something. I, I take hitting red light after red light after red light as if it's a personal attack. Kelsey, when she was just like, you do do that. You need help. Uh, like literally, I'm sitting there like, what is going on? And it's like, the lights turn red, Stephen. That's what's going on. Like... I am an impatient man. I, I, I am. But here's the deal. I'm not alone. You are all impatient as well. You can't just point fingers at me. Like, you are all impatient as well. We've been conditioned to be impatient, though. 
Let's think about it. We used to wait weeks for packages to get here. And now we're, we're annoyed if it's like three-day shipping now on Prime. Like, we're like, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. To rent a movie not all that long. I said I was a 90s kid. To rent a movie not all that long ago. I'm not that old. Like, we used to drive down to Blockbuster and physically look through racks of movies. And if they didn't have, you know, that movie, you're just going to have to pick out another one. <laughs> There's like limited copies. And like, some of us, we remember Netflix DVDs getting mailed to us. Right? Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And we'll see you Wednesday night at youth. Like, you know? They used to have to wait for these things. And now we can instantly stream anything anywhere. In our instant everything world. We live in an instant everything world. We have been indoctrinated to be impatient. And if we're honest, we don't even really want to be patient. We don't even really want to be. Right? We want, as the band Arcade Fire says, everything now everything now. And yet we get to Galatians 5. It'll be up on the screen. As the scripture says, in contrast to this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is where we've been. I just want to pause here for a second. And to this point, as we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, we're like, love, yes, <laughs> like, yes. We're like, joy, yes, Lord, let my cup overflow. Would you bring the joy? You know, we're saying, peace, amen, God, you are so good. At this point, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're singing, God, your word is like honey. It is not a burden. We're saying, yes, love, joy, peace. It is a delight. And then we get to patience. We get to forbearance. And I'm just going to use these terms interchangeably. Patience, forbearance. They're just standing in the corner like, Hi. We're here. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we'd all just like to take a double portion of peace and just send patience back to the kitchen. They're like, hey, do we have to? Like, love, joy, peace. Yeah, they're like patience, especially self-control at the end. It's like, you can just keep those and all, right? I'll also say, I think it's easy for us all to say we struggle with patience. I think it's easy to laugh about it and then move on. But, but this really, like at the end of the day, it's really not a joke. Like it, it's, it's not cute that I struggle with patience. It's not. I'm being disobedient to the call of the Spirit on my life. I'm going against the way of Jesus. And I'm saying something false about the very character and work of God. Patience matters. Like we're talking about this morning, this matters. And it's not just a suggestion. God is not calling us to take it or leave it when it comes to his word. Like he's not calling us to just take it or leave it when it comes to our character formation. God actually means for us to be patient for his glory, counterintuitively for our joy and for the good of the world. That's easy to say and hard to do. And so to do any of this, we're going to need the Spirit. So what I want to do is I want to pray. As again, I am standing up here, not as a master, but as somebody who desperately needs this message. So I'm first preaching to myself. So let's pray before we get further in, and we'll jump in. Jesus, I, I confess that I am an impatient man, and I need you, Spirit, to work in me. I need you to change me. And uh, Lord, I just say it's not cute. Um, God, I pray that you would make me a more patient man that reflects you, God, as the God of all patience. I pray for us today that this would not just be a time to sort of like, yeah, I always struggle with this, uh, move on to lunch. But like, Lord, would we really change? Would we really understand the stakes here today? And would today be the beginning of maybe a conversation? Would today be the beginning of something you're trying to do spirit in us to make us more like you? 
to be patient people. I pray uh, not only that you work in me, but work through me, Lord, and uh, use my words. If not, it's just some ink on a piece of paper here. Lord, I ask you to use my weakness um, for strength here this morning. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, church. We are in our series on the Holy Spirit. We've been in here for a while now, and we're looking at the Spirit's work within. That's where we're at. And we're on week four of looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And every week we're reiterating, and this is important, like what is this all about? Like what are we actually here to focus in on? What are we actually here to do? The focus of the fruit and on this formation is the reality that you can throw up this next screen. And you can take a photo with this, remember this, that the Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. That's what this is all about. The Holy Spirit enabling us to become more like Jesus. This is what all this fruit is about. Becoming like Jesus for this fruit is what God is like. 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. Psalm 16 says that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Jesus is the prince of what? Peace. Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is what God is like, including patience. For he is the one who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In short, God is patient. See, Paul, who wrote the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, he also wrote the book of Colossians. And uh, I just want to look there for a second to frame our conversation. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about patience? Uh, How do we frame it this morning? So it'll be up on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 9 says this. We continually ask God, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So the Spirit is giving understanding and wisdom so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. That's our, that's our calling. That's our aim, to live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way. Bearing fruit, again, similar language, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. Somebody say power this morning. Power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so what? So that we can have great endurance and patience. See, the Spirit gives the ability to bear fruit. As we talk about this morning, the Spirit gives the ability to bear fruit, to live a life worthy of the Lord. And the Spirit strengthens us with all power, according to his glorious might, so that we might endure and be patient. See, patient is not passive. Patience is not passive. It is active strength from the Spirit. So everything we're talking about this morning is active strength enabled from the Spirit. And it's a key part of becoming more like Jesus. Are you with me? So with this framework in mind, we've got three movements looking at patience. The first one is patience towards others. Patience towards others. That's number one, the first movement we're looking at. Because most of our day in and day out, reality requiring patience is patience towards others, right? So much of it like requires patience towards others. Waiting, yeah, let's give some examples here. Waiting on that Starbucks drive-through line, right? And it's like there's that fourth car in front of you. It's like, how many drinks did you order? Like, you got a fleet of coffees here, right? It's like you're ordering for an entire basketball team or something, right? It's like some of us, part of the reason we're impatient because you went to Starbucks when you were already late. It's like, don't do that. Like, right? It's like, you didn't have time. You know, we can all plan better next time, right? Like, here's that crawling line. You, patience is required of us here in Portland. When there's traffic on the 217 going in and out of Tigard at literally any point of the day. It could be 3 a.m. And I swear, that sucker is crawling. And I just want to say, like, as somebody who's still relatively new to Portland, uh, this one's for free. Expand it. Like, 
expand it. Because if it's, if it's slow at 2 a.m., add lanes. Like, just expand the sucker, right? Yeah, patience has required us waiting for your aunt, who's literally always late. We all got one. We all got one. No, patience towards that coworker who works slow, answers emails slow, right? Like, I see you back there, Kevin. Like, come on, just like reply. Like, I can't get my work done until you reply to me and I see you. Come on, right? Like, again, like patience is required of us. You know, parents with kids, when you got to answer the same animal fact questions 165,000 times a day, like National Geographic, watch out, I'm coming for you. Like, I'm going to write my own series of magazines because I know everything there is to know about emus right now. Like, thanks to my four-year-old son. Like, Lord, have mercy. Like, patience, or should I say impatience towards others, fills our entire day. And from this place, though, 1 Corinthians says that love is patient. Love is patient. Ephesians 4 says, this is all Paul saying, the, saying here, the same author. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Again, echoing these same things. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. It just pause there for a second. Patience isn't fun. It's, it's, it, it's not going to be pleasant. Sometimes it is bearing with one another. Like really bearing with one another. That's why that word forbearance is helpful. Like it's bearing with one another. Make every effort, it says. It's going to take effort to be patient, to live this life. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Again, love, peace, patience, the fruit of the Spirit that we're called to bear towards one another. It's all interplaying. They're all components to becoming more like Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. This is like what we're here to do. We are warning one another to walk in the way of Jesus. If we're being disruptive or we're being lazy and idle, we, we warn and spur each other on. We encourage the disheartened. If you're disheartened this morning, we want to encourage you. We help the weak. Be patient with the people who like you, the people you like, the people you agree with, the people who deserve it. <laughs> Be patient with everyone. I just want to say there's a theme here as we look at this. One of the primary marks of following Jesus and being filled with the Spirit is being patient towards others. But the obvious question is how? How do we do this? I already said I I struggle with this, like, deeply. We live in a society that resists this and is built to be impatient. So how do we actually do this? How do we actually do this? We can be patient towards others when we realize how patient God has been towards us. We can be patient towards others when we realize just how patient God has been towards us. Don't don't miss this. Fundamentally, our patience towards others is a response to the patience we have already received from God. I just want to like take a step back here and just say, like, let's think about this for a second. Like, how patient has God been towards you and me? Like, how patient has God been towards us? Like, how many times have we done what God told us not to do? Like, how many times have I done what God told us not to do? How many times we're getting into the same sins over and over, and we're like, God, just you watch. This time's going to be different. And then God watches us get into the same garbage just over and over again, right? Like, how many times 
How many times have we ignored God? How many times have we dishonored God? How many times have we lived in foolish ways? We've complained to God about stuff that we did to ourselves, right? We made his name look bad. And what was God towards us? He was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God has been so patient with us. God has been so patient with me. As I've been arrogant, as I've been just thick-headed, as I've been hard-hearted, as he's had to remind me over and over again over the same stuff for the last 33 years, God has been so patient with me. And God's patience at the end of the day, it is shocking, especially in contrast to our lack of patience, right? Like, take parenting again. Like, my children, they reveal my lack of parents. How many of us are parents in the room? It's hard. Like, it's hard. Like, my children reveal my lack of patience. I'm so quickly annoyed by the never-ending questions. Like, I'm so quickly angered by the lack of speed that they get things done, right? Like, done. Being a father reveals my lack of patience. And yet God is the good father, and his fathering actually reveals his abundant patience. My fathering reveals a lack of patience. His fathering reveals an abundance of patience. This is who God is, who again, as his word says, is slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love. We can be patient towards others when we realize just how patient God has already been towards us. In the same way, that our lack of forgiveness towards others shows that we don't understand how much we've been forgiven by God, if we're not patient towards others, it likely reveals that we don't really understand what God has done for us. Our lack of patience actually exposes a misunderstanding of the gospel itself. The stakes are high. Patience matters. This matters. And again, as somebody who's standing up here admitting that I deeply struggle, I need this word today. I just want to do a quick sidebar before we keep going. And that's, there's one thing that I think we've got to focus on just for a quick second that will impede our patience unlike any other. And that is pride. See, pride kills patience. Pride kills patience. And I would say disclaimer, so does envy, so does immaturity, so does jealousy, so does a lack of gratitude and a whole host of other things. And that's a message for another day. And you'll give me grace to just teach this one. But pride uniquely puts myself at the center of the universe. Pride uniquely does not think of others and put others first. Pride views myself, my time, my agenda, my plans as more important than yours. See, pride doesn't consider everyone else in line everybody else in traffic, everybody else on hold. Pride just says, I don't have time for this. Like pride just says, this is ridiculous that I'm being inconvenienced and waiting right now because I am important. And we, won't, we don't say that with our lips. But what we're doing when we're impatient is we're saying it in our hearts. We're saying, this is ridiculous. This shouldn't be happening to me because I am important. See, pride kills patience. Because pride at the end of the day is obsessed with the self. Whereas humility leads to patience because both require us to consider others more significant than ourselves. So I got bad news, good news as we come back here. Bad news. 
We can't be humble and patient people by merely our own effort. But good news, our salvation did not start with us. Our, our, it wasn't accomplished by us. And so our sanctification and growth won't be completed that way either. It is the fruit of the what? Fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is at work in us to make us more like Jesus, and He is able. I stand up here with hope this morning, not because I am able, but because the Spirit is able. So big picture, number one. By the Spirit, we can have patience towards others when we realize how patient God has been with us. You with me? Number two, patience waiting on God. We're going to make a turn here together. We're going to make a turn here together. Because not all of our patience is about waiting on others. It isn't all a battle of humility and considering others more significant than ourselves, although we are called to this amen and amen and amen. Don't, 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 don't mistake me. But some of our battles with patience, they're around serious trials, serious suffering and loss, and we're ultimately waiting on God. Some of us have been waiting on God for healing, for that cancer, for that diagnosis, and you've been waiting for years. You have been waiting for years. Some of us are battling with patience as you wait for your husband who's been held captive to that addiction. And the cycle has just been spiraling over and over and over again. Some of us, our patience is waiting on God as you've been praying for a spouse and you're still single. Some of us, you've been praying for kids and you still haven't been able to conceive. And it's been years, and you're sitting here this morning, and you're asking, God, why is this taking so long? And it hurts. Some of us are experiencing injustice, and we're crying out, how long, oh Lord, will you let this go on? This kind of patience, this bearing in the waiting, this forbearance, waiting on God, it is grueling. And many of us feel it this morning. Many of us, even as I just look around the room this morning, I know many of your stories, and I know many of you are waiting on God. I know many, it hurts. And, and, and our family is no stranger to this as well. Some of you know my wife, she has type 1 diabetes. She wears two medical devices on her body at all times. And without insulin, she would literally die. She has asked God to heal her for nearly 15 years. She's gone to renewal nights, focused on healing, seen, seen others healed in miraculous ways. She has contended with the Lord, waiting. But in the midst of her waiting, she did not get healing. She got another life-changing medical diagnosis of celiac disease. And now common foods cause her horrible sickness and even cause her organ damage. Her patience in waiting was not met with healing, but more disease. And in the midst of praying for years over now multiple diseases, praying for multiple layers of healing, our youngest son got diagnosed with a rare brain disease about a year and change ago. Patience is not easy. Waiting on God is not easy. 
So the question is, how do we do it? The question is, how do we do this? You can wait on God when you truly know the character of God. You can wait on God when you truly know the character of God. We can wait patiently when we truly know the one that we're waiting upon. We can wait patiently when we truly know the one that we're waiting upon. And church, what I want to encourage us with is, is, is this real? Like, who is God? Who is the one that we're waiting upon? Let us remember, brothers and sisters, that God loves you. He is not holding out on you. In suffering and loss, he has not abandoned you. As you wait, he cares for you. He sees you. He is not wasting the waiting. And when we are patient, we're actually saying something true about God, that he is worth trusting in and waiting upon, even in the pain. We can wait on God when we truly know the character of God. And on this theme, James 5 says this, chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Again, the Bible is not, does not stand aloof from our real suffering, our real pain, the real stuff. James is the man who would die for his faith. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, a man who lost everything and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We can have patience when we know the one that we are waiting upon. And James says, he encourages us with, that the Lord is full of compassion. He is full of mercy. He is full of love. And that he is near. He is redeemed. He said, this is the one that you're waiting upon. And this one, this God, he grieves over the injustice and loss and pain that has impacted your life. That thing that you are just meditating on right now, God grieves over that. He grieves over that that has impacted your life and has infected his world. How do I know? How do I know? I know that God cares so much that Jesus died to one day put it all to death. God hates cancer so much that Jesus died to put it one day fully to death. God hates injustice so much that Jesus died to one day put it fully to death when one day justice will flow like a mighty stream. God hates disease and death and loss and sickness and pain so much that Jesus was tortured to death to one day put it finally to death. This is the one that we are waiting upon. We are waiting on one worthy of trusting in. Patience fundamentally is an expression of trust and faith in God and surrender to God even when we don't know what's happening, even if we don't understand what's going on, we can surrender in patient waiting when we know God is working, when we know he is a good father, when we know that he is the wise, almighty, sovereign God whose ways are higher than my ways, who 
His ways are higher than my ways. I don't fully understand. Think about Jesus telling the disciples that he's, what he's doing, you don't yet understand, but one day you will. We can patiently wait when we know the one that we're waiting upon. And we can have patience knowing that one day our waiting will end. One day our waiting will end. Romans 8 is, one, to me, one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible. Romans 8, 22. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And in a week where we see devastating death tolls in Syria and Turkey from a horrible earthquake, we see creation groaning. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Again, we, if we've put our faith in Jesus, we have the Spirit. We are saved. We've put our trust in Jesus. Like, we already have this, but yet it's not yet been fully realized. We have not yet seen Jesus face to face. He has not yet come and made all things new. The, the reality of where we sit right now as believers, in the already and not yet, where Jesus has come, but he hasn't yet come again, where he's died, but he hasn't yet made all things new. That's just going to require a life of patience. Our life is one of already and not yet. It requires patience, but we have a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, and church, one day they will. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. I want to say, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you can hold on to this. It's as real as the air you're breathing. It is as real as the chair you're sitting in. And if you've not yet put your trust in Jesus, I want to invite you today to do that, to inherit this hope, to inherit this life that Jesus offers. Then Paul goes on to say, this is the same author saying all this, if we, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it, but we look forward to something we don't yet have. We must, patient, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Again, church, we are waiting on one who is going to make all things new and heal his world from all the effects of evil. One day our bodies of sin and suffering will be raised to new life. They will be raised to eternal life. But resurrection necessitates death. Like fundamentally, resurrection necessitates death. And following Jesus, waiting on God is hard. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And that will not be pleasant. Some of us were told, and I'm sorry if you were told this, like I genuinely am. Some of us were told if we would follow Jesus, our life would be easier. And the truth is, your life may actually get harder. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want to sell you a bill of goods that isn't true. If you put your trust in Jesus, your life may get harder, but it is worth it. But it is worth it for restoration, resurrection, and redemption is coming. And until that day, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He has not left us. He is near, and he is with us to the end. And to this, I was like, oh, this is good news, amen?
author and pastor uh, Sinclair Ferguson, he reframed waiting and patience for me as I was preparing. Again, I, I needed to intake some good teaching on this as, as, I, as I wrestle, as I struggle. He reframed waiting and patience for me as actually good news. He says this, four things. First, our waiting is not meaningless. In our waiting, God is working. He is not wasting the wait. He's using the moments that require patience to transform us to be the people that he desires us to be. See, patience, forbearance, waiting, these are tools God is using to make us like Jesus. He says, second, this patient endurance through trials acts as a peculiar assurance. It acts as a peculiar assurance, uniquely proving the genuineness of our faith. And as gold is proven genuine only through fire, there's the reality that our faith will be proven genuine in the same way, through trial, through the fires of life. And this acts as a peculiar assurance that as we wait, our faith is being proven genuine. And third, he, he says, I don't yet understand everything Jesus is trying to teach me yet. Like, I just fundamentally don't understand yet everything Jesus wants to teach me. And some of his lessons, some of Jesus' lessons can only be learned through patient endurance and forbearance through trial. I don't yet know everything Jesus wants to teach me. And some of the lessons that Jesus wants to teach me, that needs to teach me, counterintuitively for my good, are actually only able to be learned through trial, patiently waiting on him through trial. And lastly, he says these four, our waiting's not meaningless. He says there's this peculiar assurance that happens. He talks about there's lessons to be learned, but also, then this one's mysterious, fourth, Jesus is using patience through trials to invite us in to be with him. As there is a unique fellowship that can only be found with Christ in the midst of suffering and trial. I can attest to these four things that are working mysteriously. I can just attest that I have experienced this as we have walked through our trials and our waiting. And so in light of this, author and counselor Paul Tripp asked this question. Do you celebrate the wait? Do you celebrate the wait? For in waiting, you're not waiting for grace. In waiting, you're getting grace. And I want to say that is a hard word. I remember listening to Paul Tripp give a message on this. I literally paused it and said, I just need to sit in that one for a minute. This is a hard word, but an important word that I need to hear. And I think that we need to hear. Patience is actually a mysterious and counterintuitive gift. Again, these are hard words, but I believe they're important ones. So big picture, just like taking a step back, big picture here. Number one, we can be patient with others when we realize how patient God has been with us. And two, we can patiently wait on God when we know the character of God. And number three, we are called. You can go to that next slide. We're talking about patience towards others, patience waiting on God. And number three, people of patience for the sake of the world. Let's look together at Psalm 40 for this last movement we're in. 
Look with me at Psalm 40. I know this is heavy. All right. Are you with me? Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. See, David, he waited on the Lord, for David knows who God is. He knows he's the God who hears, the God who sees, and he is able to save. He's actually able to do something about this. And David says that God pulled him out of the muck and the mire. He set him on the rock. And David says, I praised God. And this waiting on the Lord from Psalm 40, I want us to know there's a progression that happens in these three verses. It goes from the pit to patience to praise and then to mission. And then to mission. Many will see and trust in God, Psalm 40 says. Many will see and trust in God. See, God is so good. He's not wasting the wait. See, others are coming to know God because of the patience of God's people. See, David's patiently waiting on the Lord is actually causing others to come to know the Lord. And I want to say that some of, some of your patiently waiting is actually spurring on and calling others to know who God is. Patience, poise, stability in an impatient, confused, and unstable world is good news. As we've seen through this whole series, the Spirit is working within us. But this fruit is also for the sake of the world. We are a people of patience called for the sake of the world, for the good of the world. See, being patient towards others in a me-first, saturated world, the world is telling us to put yourself first. This is a prophetic witness, being patient, patiently waiting on others, patiently waiting on God. is a prophetic witness to the way of Jesus and the power of the Spirit because nobody's doing this. Patiently waiting on God in the midst of trials, trusting in God in the midst of confusion is a beacon of light to a world looking for stability and hope and something worthy of putting their trust in. Show them. Show one another that God is worth waiting upon, that God is worth counting on, that God is worth trusting in, in the trials. Patiently waiting on God can proclaim the very goodness and beauty and character of God. Patiently waiting on God can proclaim the very character of God that he is worth waiting on and trusting in. Now, these aren't, hypotheticals. <laughs> Welcoming Kayla back. We, we heard in Advent, we heard stories from my wife, Kelsey, and we heard Steve Marshman share powerful stories of waiting on the Lord in the midst of profound pain. And they're still holding on to faith, hope, and love. They're still waiting on the Lord in the midst of profound pain because they trust the one that they're waiting upon. They can wait because they trust the one they're waiting upon. And I just want to say what a light that is to the world. What an opportunity we have to proclaim good news with our patience, brothers and sisters. I, lest we think this is only the massive, massive things of life. I actually was talking to someone last Sunday. We were processing. Uh, he, was, we were, he was talking with me uh, right there in the back as teardown was going on. 
And he was just talking with me about some of the significant layoffs and pay cuts happening at Intel right now. And how many of us in the room have been impacted by this and how much anxiety, how much fear, how much anger, how much impatience there is in the room, uh, in the workplace. And he said that his just being okay, him just, just being steady and just being at peace, him just patiently waiting on God, showing trust in God in the midst of all the uncertainty, he said that's missional. See, when situations are falling apart, when life is spiraling, when plans are failing, the people who patiently are peaceful, they shine. They shine. I just want to say, you Christians at Intel, like I know there's many in the room right here, right now, you Christians at Intel, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. You don't know what's going to happen. But you know the one who does. And you trust him no matter what comes. And so you're not falling apart. I just want to say, what a witness that is. Like, what a witness that is. So you're spurring me on in that to remember who he is and to wait patiently on him in my own trials. Let us be that kind of community that spurs one another on to patiently wait because we know who our God is. We know what he's done for us and we know what awaits us. So in closing, David says that God pulled him out of the mud and set him on the rock. See, David says that God pulled him up out of the mud and set him on the rock. And I would be, I would be a sad excuse of a preacher if I didn't go there. I, many of you know where I'm going to go. For us, we know the truer and better rock. We know the truer and better rock. And his name is Jesus. He is the rock of ages. Jesus is the rock of ages that we build our house upon, friends. And when the storm comes, when the rain comes, when the wind comes, when the storms of life are upon us, this house stands for our rock Jesus holds. Amen. That is good news. Amen. And that is our witness. But it is our witness in the storm. I just want to encourage you to stand firm, brothers and sisters. Let us wait well. We can be patient with others when we realize just how patient God has been with us. We can patiently wait on God when we truly know the character of God. And this waiting is a light to the world. And good news, the secret to growing in patience is not trying to muster up strength to be more patient. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And he is patient. He is able to grow this fruit in us as we lean on him, as we ask for his help and surrender to his strength. As the band comes up here, I don't know your exact situation. I don't know what you're exactly walking through or what your application is. In community groups, we're gonna process this stuff this week. But I do know this. Take heart. Take heart. God is not wasting your waiting. He is using it all, and one day the waiting will stop. One day he will make all things new, and we will wait no more. Jesus patiently endured as our example and suffered patiently to accomplish our salvation. 
And we wait on him patiently today by the power of the Spirit until we see him face to face. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you for how patient you've been towards us. When we're ill-deserving, undeserving, you've been so patient towards us. Would that fuel us to have patience towards one another? And Lord, as we wait through the trial, through the suffering, through the fire, would we remember who we are waiting upon? You're the good Father. You are the wise counselor. You are the mighty God. And help us also remember that one day our waiting will stop. One day you will make all things new. And we are one day closer today than we were yesterday. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Lord, help us. As we sing this next song, in the crushing, Lord, in the waiting, you're doing something. You are working in the waiting. And so we surrender. We don't yet fully understand. One day we will. But until that day, we just open our hands and surrender. We surrender to you, the God who is good, the God we can trust in, the God who is on the move, the God who is coming again to make all things new. We trust you. Help us. Spirit of God, grow this fruit within us. We're desperate for you. We need you. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.